Hey, Sales Lift Nation, it's your host, Tyler Lindley here. Today I have Chris Oaks, the head of sales at Factorial on the podcast. Hey, Chris, how you doing today? Fantastic, Tyler. Happy to be here. Yeah, happy to have you on. So Chris and I, we were just chatting and we're going to discuss sales process today and how process and systems can really help you as a founder scale up your organization when you're at that inflection point. So Chris, tell me a little bit about what do you think founders should be thinking about in terms of sales process? If they've got a business they're looking to scale up, what comes to mind for you when you think of sales process for a founder of a scale up business? Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I think as a, a founder, you have your idea, you might get your first few customers, and that might come from a personal connection. It might come from a reverse product market fit. Hey, you know, it'd be greatest if someone invented this and you and your product team go develop it and you work on spec. Ultimately, though, you're going to have to bring your product to market. And being able to measure that or see how you're doing a a phrase I learned a long time ago, performance measured, performance improved. So as you develop this process and you can use the bits and pieces of your success, but with processes within the sales standpoint, is you have to understand what's working so that you can either amplify or alter Uh, what you're doing. So for me, whenever I'm putting my sales team together, when I'm doing things myself, you'd go through that trial and error and you have that debrief. It's okay to, you know, I, I use the term fail in a positive way. It's okay to fail and not make a sale, but you better figure out why, because otherwise you, you learned absolutely nothing from it. There is a, a fantastic story that I heard about IBM where this brand new sales guy missed a deal that was worth a million dollars. And this was in the seventies and he, he blew the sale and he goes into his manager with his resignation. And, uh, and the manager says, what's this? And he says, I'm quitting. Obviously I, I missed that sale. And the manager said, you are not fired. In fact, you now you've cost me $1 million to learn this lesson. <laughs> you better go do that guy ended up being the VP of worldwide sales for IBM after a 20 something year career. And I've, obviously remember that in the, from the processes standpoint, what's working, what do you need to get better at? And from sales, as you're scaling your business, you want to have something that you as a sales leader can say, we need to do more of this, mm-hmm. that you are reporting to your CEO, your founder. And as your founder, you need to be able to have that discussion. You might not be a sales founder, you are a product founder, you are an operations founder, you have your core skill. But what you better be able to figure out from your sales head is what are we doing and how can I understand what we're doing Mm -hmm. so that I have a good grasp on it. And that way, when you're using a process, you have a common language that you're communicating with. So your CEO can ask questions and the responses that he's getting is in a common language. I know it might be a little strange out there for salespeople. We might use uh, flowery words to describe (laughs) something that, uh, you know, it's like, so you didn't make a sale. That's what you're telling me. Or the person said yes, or the Mm -hmm. person said no because of. Mm. So by having process, you are able to have a better communication up and down and across. Yep. Yeah, you talk about that feedback loop there and getting feedback. If you lose a sale... 
you you learn from that sale. You learn why you lost the sale and you get that feedback. If I'm a founder and my team is doing a poor job of that right now, you're not, that feedback loop is poor. How can you formalize that process a little bit more or put some systems and processes around making sure that you're learning from every sale, whether it's a yes or a no, how do you make sure as a founder, as the leader of the sales team, you're learning from every sale and that feedback loop is actually happening? Cool. Yeah. A a great question to start off with is why? And then we've heard of it, or if you haven't, there's a thing called the five whys. Like you ask why five times. It's really interesting. Your sales guy comes in with, hey, I just closed a six-figure deal. It's fantastic. And this was a, a new customer, wasn't really in the pipeline for a long time. And my question would be, why did they buy from us? I, I, they needed it. Why did they need it? What were the reasons? We're founder. We're brand new. We're finding our product market fit. We're finding our beachhead cut. Like, what are the elements? What are the segments? What are the things that we can now go find somebody else that are the same? Who wears orange sweatshirts versus gray sweatshirts? <laughs> like, literally being able to figure that out. And when you're figuring that out, that now gets you to have that feedback loop. Did we do this thing? Well, we lost it on we lost this on price. Okay, why did we lose this on price? Because they couldn't afford it. Why couldn't they afford it? I don't know. They just said that they couldn't. Okay, so now the term of you now know something, but now you have some negative space of something that you don't know. How did we not know that they didn't have a budget? Did we ask that question? Did we have that process of identifying that there was a budget available? Oh, no, I guess we didn't. Okay, now where do we need to put this in our process? Are we losing on budget? Are we losing on budget like at the very end? Are they surprised? Have we built proper value? And and then that's going into some basic sales 101 stuff of, is this an issue? So as you're creating these feedback loops is what are the key drivers that that you think your customer has or need or wants? And then are you addressing those? Mm-hmm. So yeah, if you're a founder, you should have a, a list and talk to your sales head or talk to your board, talk to somebody of like, how do we put together what this is? Mm-hmm. And again, it's okay to positively fail. Well, we think it's this. Okay, we think it's this. We've talked to 15 people. Two of them felt that was relevant. Okay, it it is now not relevant. You need to change Mm -hmm. and change off the information that you're getting from those other 13 people. Yeah, 100%. When we think about talking about back to sales process, what are some Mm -hmm. of the first steps that you would recommend if you're one of these organizations that's trying to scale up? you probably have somewhat of a sales process. Maybe it's not clearly defined. Maybe it's, it's loosely defined. Maybe it means something to different people throughout the organization. How do you make that sales process more standardized and something that can be used throughout the organization, something that's used and something that's understood by everyone, regardless of their role? How do you make sure that you formalize that so that you start getting consistent, that consistent data and the feedback loops we were just talking about? What are some of those first steps to standardizing and formalizing your sales process? Sure. This is super easy. Write it down. (laughs) Like (laughs) when you have something documented, when you have something memorialized, several things happen. It is shareable. It is something you can have a conversation around. 
we probably heard the hit by a bus concept. Tyler, if you're head of sales, heaven forbid, you get hit by a bus on your way to work in front of your biggest deal that your company is working towards. When they speak at your funeral, they will also say, Tyler allowed us to get this deal that he was working on. Mm -hmm. You can go into your CRM, you can look and you have all of these parameters. And here's what's something that's very important as well from a, a salesperson standpoint is salespeople, the tip of the spear, however you want to be able to describe it. Every single person in your company is on the sales team. Mm. Your product person is on the sales team. Can your company create a product that makes it easy for your salesperson to explain that? Could your product person ask the proper questions on a sales call? You have a sales engineer, you have a technical person, or you have an operations person. Can your sales processes be coherent and simple that any person from your company can sit in on your sales pipeline call mm. and understand what's going on. Again, I'm not giving away any secrets. I think apologize for the magician secrets here. Mm -hmm. Sales is a process. It's replicable. There's nothing magical, mystical about it. The only thing that's different is are you a person that's okay with saying, Tyler, will you give me $2.3 million over three years for this product? Some people can't ask that question. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. So with your first steps in it is, is starting to have that thing down. Who is our customer? Why are they cus our customer? What's the reasons for them to say yes? How do we get to them? How do we get to their ability to say yes? Where do we start? Where do we end? <clears throat> I in college, I, I loved organic chemistry. I, I I loved it so many so much that I ended up taking it uh, three times <laughs> because <laughs> the first two times I didn't love it enough, and the third time I finally loved it. <laughs> when you think of a chemical reaction, you start with certain things and you end with something else. So you start with a product, you start with a problem, and you start with a prospect. I like that. You add all those things together. You put a bunch of stuff, you have a reaction happen. And then at the outcome, at the outset, at the end, you've got a solution. You've got something that's solved. You've got a problem with a prospect and you now have them saying, cool, this is what I want to be able to get. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that. The three P's that you mentioned there, the uh, problem, that. product, and prospect. I think that's a great way to, it's a great framework to think about it because at the end of the day, that is a startup. That is an idea. That is a business, regardless of how much money it's made or what stage of growth it's in. That's the initial, you know, ingredients, if you will, that people come to. And then if you put, I guess the fourth would be process around that. That's what then would take, that's what then would take you to that next step. And I feel like that's what a lot of these, uh, a lot of these founders and these teams are missing. They're starting to formalize these processes. They're starting to put them down on paper. Um, how do you then, how do you then hold people accountable to actually doing them? Uh, because obviously getting them down, writing it down, like you said, is one thing holding people accountable to them is an, is a whole nother skill set. What do sure. you, what would you recommend for those founders who are, you know, holding their teams now accountable to these processes they're built? What are some best practices there that you've seen in the organizations you've worked in? There's probably two different directions you can go with it. I don't, for those who might not be that old, have you seen the movie, The Last Samurai? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, okay. Tom Cruise. Yeah. So when Tom Cruise, yeah, Tom Cruise is becomes part of a, a Japanese samurai tradition, and obviously he's an American, and it's a you know fish out of water story. They go through the tea ceremony, mm-hmm. and it's this very long, drawn out, beautiful ceremony. And a phrase that I got out of there is, "You enjoy the process. Mm. You should get." Uh, pleasure out of the process. You should get enjoyment. You should get a fulfillment out of the process. And so there was that kind of that thing. Modern day, I'll plug somebody who I think is amazing. Is you ever heard of uh, Jocko Willink? Mm-hmm. His book, which I totally dig, is Discipline Equals Freedom. When you're doing things, that gives you the freedom. And so as you're creating this sales process and you're executing the sales process, that is freedom. And that is freedom to have success. That's freedom to make changes. That's freedom to get the result that you want. From a leader, from a founder standpoint, two things. Hire people that trust the process. Jocko, SEAL team guy, and literally what they're doing is life or death. And you need to be able to trust that what Chris is doing he can trust what Tyler's doing right behind him because mm-hmm. if, if either of those people fail, it's not making a sale. It is not going home. Yep. So when you have that type of, when you have that type of process, then you're hiring towards people that say, look, I know that when I do a process, I can scale, I can get the results that I want to. The second thing from a founder standpoint, maybe you don't have the luxury of doing that and you're you're stuck with someone, is you be a leader and owner and you say, look, you have to do this. Tyler, this is your job. If you cannot do this, then let's have a conversation about whether or not you're still able to work here mm-hmm. and get rid of the person. If someone is not trusting in that process, they are putting your company at risk Mm -hmm. because now as you're going for extra funding, you have, let's say a really smart person or a person with a lot of money, they can be different. Say, what is this money going towards? Because we want to hire more salespeople. Okay. What's your process? I don't know. My sales guy just turns in orders and it seems (laughs) like he's cool. Okay. Well, I'm not giving you $5 million with somebody that can't explain to me what they're doing. Mm -hmm. So that's where you have to be an owner with it. And what this creates in a, and I'll use the, I'll use air quotes on this, is it creates some certainty in an uncertain space. Hmm. You're creating certainty of, we have a center, which we're working off of. We have a process. We trust in this process. We know we can iterate in this process. Can we amplify the process or do we need to alter the process? And that is a founder. That is what you're doing. Yep. hundred percent. I love that certainty in an uncertain space. I think that's a great way to put it. I think a hard thing for folks to do is both of those things you mentioned, you talked about hiring the right people that trust the process and then basically having the fortitude to hold people accountable. That yeah. is, uh, I think that's a hard thing because we think about, uh, founders, they may not necessarily have ever been managers before and man- managing people and making, having these tough conversations can be really difficult. What advice would you have? I know you've been a sales leader. You've been a lot involved in a lot of startups and you've helped scale teams quickly. What would, what advice would you have for, for new founders becoming new managers in terms of leading people, obviously getting the right people in the right seats, but then how do you best manage people? What do you see works? What do you, how do you think people respond to, especially those sales hires where it's important to keep them accountable? It's important to tell them this is the way things are. What have you seen that's worked in your career, Chris? 
Yeah, a lot to unpack there. I think with if we have this little overarching part of people love to get given direction. It removes some decision on their part. It removes some it removes some uncertainty. From a sales standpoint, <clears throat> when your prospect says, "Oh, you know what? Not right, not right now, next quarter, the following quarter." Okay, why didn't they just tell me no? Because if I tell you no, then I, I kind of can't go back on my word as a buyer and say, hey, I know three quarters ago I said no, <laughs> but I really want to spend $800,000 right now with you. Can, can you take my, there's a hat in hand scenario. So it's always, we're going to wait for you guys to do this. We're going to wait. Many times it's sincere. Commission checks aren't paid on sincerity though. As a founder, people is a is a new hire and I've worked for probably six or eight startups or something like that enough to where I can't remember <laughs> but I've also been like employee less than less than 30 I've been employee less than 10 at many of them and when people begin working at a startup it's founder vision it is 100% founder vision I trust that this person is building the path for me to be able to do something. If I'm bringing my skill set and I'm investing year and a half, two years, five years, 10 years, like if I'm hitching my wagon to this person that I hope is going in the right direction. So give that team direction and also hire people that are not necessarily afraid to question. Explain to me more about this. If they're asking to understand, if they're asking for clarification, not if they're, and, and it's okay, again, if they're asking to say, look, Tyler, I disagree with you on this. Mm -hmm. My CEO, we are very open. We have this, we have this, we have blunt conversations. I disagree with this. Here's my justification for it. Chris, here's the way we're going. Okay, like now we, but we're also, we're communicating as equals, ultimately as the CEO, it's his decision. I, I serve at the pleasure of the board. So I, all I do is, is give my feedback with it. Mm -hmm. So with that understanding is people are looking to you for direction and guidance. Hire sales leaders that can execute upon that vision and direction hire sales leaders that can create the processes based off your vision. You're not a process person. Great. You can understand the circle of a sales cycle. Hire someone that can codify that. Hire someone that can communicate what that codification is so that is you as a manager can understand and manage towards it. Mm -hmm. What do you think of the founders who are maybe having the decision of maybe I can just run the sales team. Maybe I can just run that department. If I come up with these processes, bring someone in, help me formalize this. I could just be the sales manager, the head of sales, in addition to founding the company. And some might Absolutely. become that de facto person just because maybe they can't afford that hire right now or just doesn't make sense. For those people that have never been a sales manager, first of all, do you think you do you think you should for sure outsource that role? Or do you think that you can learn to become a sales manager if you've never been in sales really at all in your career? Oh yeah, absolutely. I'll be a little self-deprecating. If I can be a sales, anybody can do this job. It is not <laughs> the most difficult thing in the world. And, and if a founder wants to be the head of sales and chief salesperson, absolutely go for it. Sink your teeth into it. There's a, a couple good books and you can listen to some obviously podcasts and, mm -hmm. and you can be that fantastic salesperson. You just need to make sure that you make a little bit of adjustment 
within your company as you're doing that. Mm-hmm. And that little adjustment is do not be the CEO of the company, go hire a CEO to run your company. So mm-hmm. if you're going to be a sales guy, go be a sales guy and go be the best sales guy there. The product better than anybody else. Mm-hmm. But you sure as fecal matter cannot run your company right. uh, while you're being the head of sales. It is impossible. So pick one. Pick one. Yeah. Choose a lane. It sounds like. What other What other uh, piece of advice would you have for these founders in these situations as we wrap up our conversation and thinking about sales process and thinking about creating that certainty in an uncertain space, giving that direction, hiring. We've talked, we've touched on a lot of other, a lot of really cool topics for these founders. Any other words of advice you'd have for these folks as they consider setting up these systems and processes within their businesses? Yeah, and I can tie it all together, and I'll use uh, I'll use a couple real examples of, of me with companies that I'm currently working with and have worked with. Is you've hired your sales head, you could have a co-founder sales head. Hey, I can sell anything that Tyler makes. This is mm-hmm. great, but you have a sales head for a reason. That's what their job is. I've been in roles where our CEO seemingly empowered us, so we were working on deals. And look, you, you lose deals. And, and that's okay. If you're, if you have never lost a deal that you've gone for, you haven't gone for enough deals. Like mm-hmm. you, and even if you're at 50%, you're great. I have friends where they're like, look, our projection is we win 25 to 28% of the deal. Like we can't get three out of 10 and you can build a billion dollar business on winning 20% of deals. Mm-hmm. And so I've had CEOs where their post-mortem on lost deals of big deals was, why didn't you win it? And it was very like confrontational and you win a deal and it's okay, great. You're supposed to. And I had one company where in back-to-back deals, two deals in a row that were probably the top five all-time deals of our company. And it was like, I don't know what you did, but whatever. (laughs) And then at the same time, you lose a deal that was like half that amount. And it was just this it was this almost inquisition level of why didn't you win this? It's, it didn't integrate with Salesforce and, and they're a Salesforce shop. So like yeah. we, we had no chance from the beginning. And the fact that we made it to the final round, whatever, interpret that for what it is. That's frustrating as a salesperson where your wins are not celebrated and your losses are overanalyzed from a negative standpoint. There's a, another company that, or another another VC guy that I know that was, he has a, a blog of hurry up and get to your second head of sales. Like mm-hmm. that first head of sales that you have gets you to a certain level. And then your second head of sales gets you to that next level. How about putting that into the same person? So hire somebody that is willing to do these early things so that you can do these larger things that salesperson is now going to have more ownership. They're going to have an incredible amount of buy-in and they've come up with it as well. So from a sales leader standpoint, hire a great person and hire somebody that you can give that constructive feedback with. Yep. 100%. Chris, if my audience wants to find you online, uh, how can they do so? Yeah. So I'm on, I'm LinkedIn. It's www slash in slash Chris Oaks, C-H-R-I-S-O-C-H-S. Mm-hmm. Also our, our company Factorial, F-A-C-T-O-R-E-A-L. Uh, it is just Chris at Factorial for my email address. Feel free to reach out to me and happy to chat. Perfect. Awesome. We'll link all those to in the show notes. So feel free to uh, reach out to Chris if you have any questions or want to learn more. Uh, Chris, thanks so much for joining today. We'll have you back on in the future. I really appreciate your time. 
Absolutely. Thank you, Tyler. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. You can find all the links discussed and the show notes at thesaleslift.com. That's the, T-H-E, sales, S-A-L-E-S, lift, L-I-F-T, dot com. Have questions for me? Email me at tyler at thesaleslift.com. We look forward to seeing you back here next week. And we hope today's show brings you the sales lift your business needs. Remember, ideas plus action equals results. You've got new ideas. Now it's time to take action and the results will follow. See you next time.